Hi, I'm Wayne Rogers, and I invite you, as always, to meet me at the mountain. This is Episode 8 of the Meet Me at the Mountain podcast. I'm always grateful for those who are checking out this podcast. For those who are followers of the podcast, thank you for joining us again. For those who this may be your first time listening, thank you for joining today. Please go back and listen to some of the other episodes, and it'll help you get to know me a little bit better and follow along with my journey in the mountain of life. In our last episode, we talked about Friendship's Mountain and understanding the kinds of friends that we need to have in this life. And I think that will even certainly help today in our discussion where we're going to trek up Recreation's Mountain. Recreation is just another way of saying recreation. When labor has made tired the, tired the body and cares have made the soul weary, then recreation is necessary. And recreation can be found in many forms. And we know G Jesus spent time in recreation when a busy day of teaching and healing and uh, sometimes probably just peopling had him weary, he and his disciples would go into a desert place and rest a while, according to Mark 6 and verse 31. Often he would grab some time away from the crowd so that he could think and pray and relax a little bit. We see him at a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee, John chapter 2. We see him in Bethany visiting the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Recreation in itself is not at all sinful. As a Christian, we're often accused of having no fun at all, but that's just not the case, and nor should it be the case. The Christian life is one of rejoicing. Matthew 5, verse 12, Acts 5, 41, Acts 16, 34, Philippians 4, 4, where Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. The Christian life should be one of rejoicing. The opposite of recreation, though, would likely be what we would term dissipation. Whereas recreation helps to renew physical and mental strength and helps to regenerate the soul and even one's nerves, if you will, dissipation tears down the body, destroys the moral structure of one's character. And that's the last thing that we would want as Christians. According to Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16, where Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talks about our influence, that we are salt and light, and that we are to glorify God by our lives. Recreation in general is as different as the food that we enjoy. Everyone has a different taste for different things. Our tendency is often to maybe disdain one thing because it's not to our taste, it's not to our liking. Nothing to do with whether or not it's sinful. That's not what I'm talking about here. But sometimes we'll condemn it anyway because we can't see the fun in it. We can't see recreation in it. And again, because it's not what we like. And where we have likely failed is in helping maybe others discern what is good and what's proper, what's healthful or helpful when it comes to this topic of recreation. The approach has been one that is, in my opinion, has probably been too negative, met with a always a don't-do-this approach, and this often causes resentment and rebellion, And whereas when simple guidance is used and, and discussion and counsel so often that's needed, 
is, is used to help people see a better way and a better direction and how to have proper type of recreation. So how can the Christian then tell right from wrong? Well, as with anything, we've got to go to God's Word to find out. Isaiah 8, verse 20, To the law, to the testimony, he says, If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And so we go to the Word of God. But it's not always that simple, and I get that. The Bible concerning recreation, as with many topics, gives us principles upon which to find our way and and make necessary distinctions, even though it may not always deal specifically with with me wanting to climb a particular mountain or something. So all human activities are divided into two basic classes, we might say. First, you have those things that are sinful within themselves. And all of these are and should be immediately ruled out as a practice of recreation because they lead to dissipation. They tear down, not recreate us. Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21, you have a partial list that is given there of the works of the flesh and with the caveat that and such the like. And so things that are similar in nature, these these who indulge in these things shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And we cannot possibly participate in these evil practices and be pleasing unto God, is what he's saying. The second set of classes, if you will, would be those things not necessarily sinful within themselves. Yet these things may appear, while these things may appear innocent, and probably in most instances they are, but they may become sinful in some other instances. And so, There are times when even though something in and of itself may not be sinful, it could be used or done in a certain way in which it could be sinful. And so we have to consider those things as well. And the real problem for a Christian in recreation lies in dealing with this second group of activities that we're talking about. They do not appear wrong within themselves. And so we're going to give some practical questions to ask to help determine if, if this is something in which I should particip- participate, if this activity is wholesome and healthful and helpful for me to recreate. Number one, will this hurt my conscience? Romans fourteen twenty three for whatever is not from faith or of faith is sin. Here's a principle concerning our own consciences. We dare not offend our conscience. Paul says it's sinful to do so. If, if I doubt that this activity is right, then I should absolutely stay away from it. Although the conscience is not always 100% a safe guide, because our consciences have to be trained, it must not be violated. Conscience is a creation of education. But if we abuse it, then it cannot help us in doing right. Number two. Will this action harm my body? Remember, our bodies belong to God. We are not our own. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. We're to be good stewards of our bodies. The short period that we have them, we're supposed to take care of them and do uh, those things which would glorify God in our bodies. Our bodies, uh, as such, do not 
belong to ourselves. And so we, we have to learn to be good stewards of them. And there are numerous activities that will certainly harm the body, even some that are not sinful in themselves that could harm the body that I may want to avoid. Again, sinful activities aside, we're trying to decide if a particular activity is good for me to participate. Number three, does it appeal to the indecent within me? If we follow what Paul exhorted the Philippian brethren to, to meditate upon, things such as those with things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely of good report of uh, virtuous nature, those things which are praiseworthy, he said those things you, ne- you need to meditate upon. Those, those are the things you need to be thinking upon. And these might help us also in considering what might incite evil desires or lusts within me to know what is decent, to know what is good and honest and pure and lovely and of good report, if something that's virtuous and something that's praiseworthy. And if it's not, if it's indecent or if it would um, cause me to, uh, those those evil desires and lusts within me to uh, to be excited in some way, then that's something that I would want to certainly uh, stay away from. And so if a form of recreation leads to to incite within me those evil thoughts or desires or arouses within me some some type of indecent thought, then I need to forsake that immediately. Number four, will this harm others? Romans 14, 7 teaches that we as Christians do not live to ourselves and do not die to ourselves. And so we should ask, what, what effect will this have on those who are not Christians, maybe. People who are not converted uh, wholly by proving to them what is right doctrine, our manner of life, in other words, the conduct, how we behave, plays a huge role in, in the lives of others. We may be able to, uh, to, to only reach somebody by being that proper example to them, showing them a, a better way of life uh, for the time and, and until, they, uh, until that, that heart uh, and that mind is is good soil to be able to actually sit down and teach. But but maybe they're watching us. They're seeing how we're living our lives. And so certainly we don't want the action in which we're participating in to, to lead them uh, into harm as well. Paul told Timothy, take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine and continue in them, both paying attention to yourself, continue in the doctrine. In doing this, he says, You'll save both yourself and those who will hear thee. And this directly, I think, connects to the next question about influence. Paul, Paul had told Timothy a few sentences earlier to, uh, to be an example of the believers. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12. So number five, then, will this action hinder my influence? Jesus taught we must let our light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, Matthew 5, 16. And so as salt and as light, we have to consider our influence on others. Everyone has an influence on someone else. Consider what we're teaching them. Consider what we're, we're telling others around us about the activity in which we're involved as to whether or not it's acceptable. It may influence someone who's new to Christ, who's maybe trying to give up certain things in the world, but they see something that we're doing, and now they, they question 
uh, as to to cause them to question whether or not that they should be doing those things as well. And so we have to be careful about our influence. Number six, will this action take me among evil companions? This one should be uh, self-explanatory, but how many times does this does some activity seem okay for a moment, and then you're in the midst of it when you start to see everyone who's participating alongside you, and you go, is this really where I need to be among this type of people who have no moral uh, compass, seemingly, because of the way that they're living and the things that they're doing? Are, are those participating considering your best spiritual interest? Not usually. Blessed is the man who walks not in the way of sinners, nor stands in the way of uh, sinners, he says, uh, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, Psalm 1, verse 1. You, you may walk by a place of sin without harming yourself, but if, but if you begin to stop and to stare into it with interest, you eventually find yourself sitting down there. So be careful about the company you keep. We're told that evil companions corrupt good morals. And so if it's with the world then you will be typically the one who's influenced into worldly things by the company you keep. Number seven, does this action interfere with my friendship or my relationship with God? I think that we're typically careful, or we should be at least, not to offend God in any way. We, we, we certainly do not want to offend God. We don't want to hurt our relationship with God but James reminds us that friendship of the world and included in the world then would be the activities of the world makes us enemies of God. James 4 and verse 4. So does this action then interfere with my relationship or my friendship with God? Number eight, would Jesus participate in this activity? It's the age-old scenario question, right? What would Jesus do? We sing... Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. Well, can I go anywhere with Jesus? Maybe the real question is, would he go anywhere with me? Would he participate with me in this particular recreation? From a human standpoint, maybe or maybe not. Maybe because, like we said earlier, recreation kind of being like food, we enjoy different things. But that's not really what we're asking here. We're asking, would would Jesus approve of this activity? Would he be right alongside of me participating in it? Could you see the Lord participating in such, we might ask? And, and that mere thought might might be enough to at least give us pause and to say, this is is this something that I should be doing? Number nine, and this will be the last question to think about. How does this course of action seem after I've prayed about it? It's possible that the very action of prayer would stop some activities, at least for the Christian, wouldn't it? The one who truly has an understanding of his or her relationship with God and, and, and knows about that connection that we have with our Father and praying through Christ unto the Father that 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 relationship that we have, now the world will will pray and, and 
praise God for anything and everything under the sun, right? Whether it's good, bad, or purely evil activities sometimes. And they'll say, you know, hey, look, God is, God is pleased with me, with, with me in doing this. Praise God for all of these things that I'm doing and, and so forth. But we, we know better than that. What seems good in a, in a temporal setting may look much different when, we've, when it's thrown against the backdrop of eternity, and prayer helps us place that backdrop against whatever we're involved with. Now, these are not exhaustive by any means, but they're, they're hopefully some, some practical questions that we could ask. And obviously, it's maybe not going to cover every scenario and every situation that's out there, but simply some general principles to help us in our thinking to, to work through whether or not this is something in which I should participate. Often as we grow and mature in Christ, that these issues are easier to see and to spot and to avoid. And, and if so, then, then help others find that better way to trek up this mountain of recreation. It's a tricky one sometimes. It's, all, it's a difficult trek probably for us all. And so let's lift each other up and let's, let's do so in a way that will that will both edify and educate and, and even help us to emulate our Lord in His life and in, in, in the way that we can serve in the kingdom of heaven. I want to thank you for spending your time with me in this study. In our next episode, we're going to meet at some emotional mountains and discuss what kind of emotions and, and how to respond when we're having, say, when we're we're overly rejoicing about something when we are so happy about something or we're so upset and mad about something how do we how do we deal with those particular emotions and at the same time not allow those things to to overcome us and take us away from Christ and so we'll talk about some emotional mountains uh, the next time that we meet and so until we meet again may God bless you and keep you Thank you so much for meeting me at the mountain. May God continue to bless our journey up the mountain together. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.